Cambridge Muslim College, training the next generation of Muslim thinkers. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Welcome to the second step in our journey through the fasting month in the company of Imam Mu'aini, one of the great Imams of Tafsir. We'll be following his guidance on our journey through the great chapter of the Qur'an called Surah Al-Zumar, one which has a particular place in our hearts. Last time we described this surah as a song about Tawheed, a recapitulation of some of the key Qur'anic and prophetic themes about the most indispensable pillar of religion, the unity of God. From the one, the many flow. Without knowledge of the one, the many suffer and are lost. Guidance and giving praise, hamd, thus turn out to be the most important forces in the universe. The principle breaks surface early in the surah in verse 3, which begins with a roll of thunder, Allah lillahi dinul khalis. Abdul Halim translates this as true devotion is due to God alone, but we need to remember the principal deep sense of the root khal, lam, sad, which is purity. Imam Mu'aini says this refers to religion in which there is no ostentation, riyah, ma la riya He then gives another opinion, worshipful obedience for which reward is given out of God's generosity. In other words, the deen khalis here refers to the fact that God alone gives the reward, it is his. He then moves on with the ikhlas theme, stating that sincerity is the root of all actions. It is to be the start of everything we do, and hence we need to purify our intentions, and is the end of everything we do, since to maintain our sincerity we need to cover up our good works, even, he says, from ourselves. So sincerity is the principle which underlies action all the way through, or acting only for God. So here we have it. The first principle of Tawheed which the Surah gives us is about God's unique and total right to our obedience and also to our intentions. That is a deen al-khalis. Not so easy. Who knows how many different intentions we have, usually rather vaguely, whenever we do something. At other times we seem to have no intention at all. But at those times we're not really human. After all, we are what we intend. That's why Imam Bukhari puts the hadith actions are only by intentions, right at the front of his great hadith collection. We are commanded to act in outward ways, but unless we are inwardly awake, we are just automata, sleepwalkers, rather a terrifying prospect. Through examining our intention, we know why we do things, hence we come to life, we are mindful, we are actually in the moment. And that's important, since every second is a gift that will not be experienced again, ever. So let's stay awake. The surah does not stop there, but then tells us of other possible violations of Tawheed. It speaks of those who imagine that there are magical subordinate beings whom we can justly worship and reject this false imagining. God alone is to be worshipped. Of course, we know that we can ask others to pray for us, and whether they need to be alive or not is an accepted point of dispute between the scholars. We should respect both opinions. But asking for a prayer is one thing, worship is quite another, and worship is God alone. Verse 4 is about those who imagine that God can have an offspring, a common pagan fantasy. The metaphysical problems of this are well known, and we need not investigate them. The divine substance, usia, in Greek, cannot be transferred or communicated. Imam Mu'aini clearly regards this as obvious, 
as he doesn't comment on this verse, although he has offered his views elsewhere, notably in Surat Maryam. But now we get to another principle in verse 5, which is about the cosmos. He created heavens and earth in truth. He folds the night into day and folds the daytime into night and subjected sun and moon, each flows for an appointed time. Truly he is the mighty, the oft-forgiving. Imam Mu'ayni takes us further on our journey here, just as there are some who forget ikhlas, thereby implicitly doing things for themselves, the worst of false gods, and others who believe that angels or a supposed divine son or daughter has intrinsic power. So also some human beings, looking out at the splendour of creation, imagine that the vast cosmic system is self-directed. He says, Which means, the movements of the planets are proved to be by one who causes their movements, a first cause which does not itself move. This is the classical Islamic way of thinking about contingency, Each movement must have a final cause. An endless, infinite sequence is nonsensical. Nowadays, Muslim theologians take this further, looking at the dozens of physical constants which make the universe work, the speed of light, the force of gravity, and so forth, and note that they are all so fine-tuned that the slightest variation of even one of those constants would make the universe an impossibility. The unbeliever, usually driven by ego or willfulness, wants a world whose laws bubbled up from nothingness and randomness. The intelligent observer recognises that, as yet, another form of shirk, attribution of the many to the many. Randomness leads to disorder, not order, confusion, not information. This is underlined by the next ayah. This moves us from physics to biology. خَلَقَكُمْ مِنْ نَفْسٍ وَاحِدَةٍ وَأَنزَلَ لَكُمْ مِنَ الْأَنْعَامِ ثَمَانِيَةَ أَزْوَاجٍ يَخْلُقُكُمْ فِي بُطُونِ أُمَّهَاتِكُمْ خَلْقًا مِنْ بَعْدِ خَلْقٍ فِي ظُلُمَاتٍ ثَلَاثٍ ذَلِكُمُ اللَّهُ رَبُّكُمْ لَهُ الْمُلْكِ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا هُوَ فَأَنَّا تُصْرَفُونَ He created you of a single soul, then appointed its spouse from it, and sent down for you four kinds of livestock in pairs. He creates you in your mother's wombs, in one creation after creation, in threefold depths of darkness. That is Allah, your Lord. The kingdom is his. There is no God but him. How then are you turned away? This verse also holds our attention. The starry skies are pretty astounding, but the world within the human being, and specifically the fact of reproduction and life's origins, are perhaps more amazing still. There is the fetus in three darknesses, which Mo'aini reminds us refer to the belly, the skin and the placenta. In that improbable place does the sacred miracle of life begin. Respect for women begins here, we might add. Remember the Turkish word for pregnant, ikijamla, literally a person with two souls. It's the essence of the mystique of womanhood. Creation is absolutely out there in the universe. Procreation is within protected in the place of mercy, the Rahim. But life, is it the greatest mystery of all? 
Billions are spent on space probes which roll across the sterile deserts of Mars trying to find life. It seems to be more precious even than gold. It is. And materialists try to speculate about how life might have begun. How a single atom could exist in the universe is already a problem. But how a living cell could have emerged from dead matter turns out to be even more strange and mystifying. For the first living organism would not only have to live, according to some definition, but to be complex enough to be able to reproduce. The unlikelihood of this is astronomical, beyond astronomical. So the Sora reminds us, thus is God, his is the kingdom. How then are you turned away? How indeed? What's wrong with our hearts? The creator is the best explanation of the creation. Indeed, the only explanation for sensible people for what is otherwise inconceivably unlikely. But belief in him is unfashionable, and the elite seem to love their existence in their staggeringly improbable world. How, then, are you turned away? But the Qur'an still goes on. Verse 7, If you disbelieve, Allah has no need of you. وَلَا يَرْضَى لِعِبَادِهِ الْكُفْرِ وَإِن تَشْكُرُوا يَرْضَهُ لَكُمْ وَلَا تَزِرُوا وَازِرَةٌ وِزْرَ أُخْرَى ثُمَّ إِلَى رَبِّكُمْ مَرْجِعُكُمْ فَيُنَبِّئُكُمْ بِمَا كُنْتُمْ تَعْمَلُونَ إِنَّهُ عَلِيمٌ بِذَاتِ الصُّدُورِ He does not approve of disbelief for his servants. If you give thanks though, he approves of it in you. Then your return is to your Lord, who will inform you of what you are doing. Truly he is knower of possessors of hearts. So, he does not approve of disbelief for his servants. Imam Mu'aini, the faithful Asherite, reminds us that everything is by Allah's command. Still, although he has ordained everything, he is still not pleased with disbelief among his servants. He wills the shadows as well as the light, but knows them to be shadows. All is in his power. So it's pure monotheism again, a din al-khalis. God is ala kulli shay'in qadir, powerful over all things. We can acquire actions and identify with them through ikhlas, but he alone is shaping creation. Frankly, it's a staggering thought. But this is Tawheed. His omnipotence means what it says, all-powerful. There is nothing out there that can compete with his power. What you see in the Hubble Space Telescope and the Electron Microscope, all those things are just what he is doing. That is the ultimate purest final point of monotheism, and it boggles the mind, but it works in the mind nonetheless. A god of partial power would be a pagan invention, one more actor in the drama of existence, like Apollo or Al-Uzza. Monotheism, true monotheism, plays a more serious game. But we haven't finished with the verse. There is more. No soul shall bear the burden of another. In other words, accountability. Yes, Monotheism means that through ikhlas we act solely for him and hence are judged only for what we ourselves do. If we misguide others, of course, we may carry some of the guilt and the punishment unless heaven forgives us. But each soul's burden is its own burden. And we return to him. Marji okum. Only then can we really hope to understand. For then we will see clearly. And he will tell us everything and the mysteries will all be explained and we will know which of our actions were sincere and which were absent-minded, or false, or hypocritical, for he is all-knowing of people with hearts.